Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. All right. Hello, Las Vegas. Happy Hallow's Eve to you all. Yes, I did not say Halloween. I do not wish people uh, happy that word. I wish people a happy Hallow's Eve. And you're like, but it's exactly the same thing. Technically, the one means the other. That's true. But one brings up an entirely different image than the other would conjure up, if you will. <laughs> oh, today's episode is going to be fun. Some people are going to hate me. Some people are going to love me. But really, all I'm going to do today, I'm not going to tell you if you should or shouldn't celebrate Halloween. But what I am going to do today is we are going to talk about the history of Halloween, where it came from, what it's become today, and what some possible ideas for your family could be should you choose or not choose to celebrate this day. All right, so don't don't turn me off. Just give me a chance. We will go into this together. I'm Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience 30 Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. 9.30 and 11.15 Sunday morning are our service times, 7 o'clock on Wednesday evenings. All right. Are you ready? I'm not sure you are. Did you know? This is where we're going to start. Just kind of keep it light a little bit. Did you know that the word Halloween... Everyone always tells us that Halloween is just the smashing of the words Hallow's Eve, All Hallow's Eve, before All Saints Day, or whatever. Okay. In a way, that is true. But the word itself did not actually become common until it was used in a poem. A 1785 poem named, guess what? Halloween. Now, hallow does mean holy or hallowed person, referring to the celebration of All Saints Day, which occurs on November 1st, and the een is part of eve or the evening before. So uh, the evening before All Saints Day would be the literal interpretation of the word. But no one actually called it Halloween until 1785 when this guy by the name of Robert Burns, a Scottish guy, which you'll understand the significance of Ireland and Scotland and all of this in just a few minutes if I do my job well today, but he wrote a poem. It is one of the longest poems I have ever seen. I thought, well, I will read ye all the Scottish Halloween poem that brought this whole thing. But, alas, it is literally, it is so long, I don't even, it's, it, it would take up half the program. It is the longest thing. It is so long. I read about, I want to say, 10 stanzas of it. And then I realized that I was not even making progress in this thing. And then I stopped. Also, it's written in like the old Scottish. So it's harder to read than King James is basically all that that means. But I, I, just, I gave up on it. I gave up on it. I, and then I, I tried to get some of the, some of the, the gist of it. There's the girl crying, and oh Lord, preserve her, and uh, there, there's blazes, and 
black carlins. I don't even know what a carland is. There's thricing and chanting and brawning and widows. It's what I was getting out of it was not happy things. <laughs> Just put it that way. You can read it if you want to. It's a 1785 poem, Halloween. That's where the word was first popularized. I'll give you the so the the stanza about Halloween goes like this. Among the bunny winding banks where Dune rins wimpling clear, where Bruce ants ruled the martial ranks and shook his carrick spear, some merry friendly country folks together did convene to burn their nits and pout their stocks and hod their Halloween. For Blythe that night, the last, well, it, and then it just keeps going. But there you go. That's where Halloween comes in. It's this poem named Halloween. It literally goes on and on and on and on. If you want to read it, good luck. You can go and do that. I'm not going to read it to you. But that is where the word Halloween was popularized. Now, yes, it does. Uh, the literal interpretation is All Saints Eve. But 1785, this guy writes his poem. He names it Halloween. And that is where we began calling this day Halloween. Now, there is a lot of debate over whether or not Christians should celebrate Halloween. About 50, it's, it's uh, latest survey shows Christianity is about evenly divided. Half of Christians say, no, you should not celebrate Halloween. The other half say, it's no big deal. Yes, celebrate Halloween. So again, I'm not here to tell you which side is right or wrong. I'm just here to give you a history of the day because that's what we do on this program. So regardless of what anyone thinks about whether or not today we should celebrate Halloween, pretty much everyone agrees, historically speaking, that Halloween dates back to the ancient Celtic festival known as Samhain. And eventually then the, the Pope would try to, to, to change things. And we'll, we'll get to that. But so first... We're going to start with this ancient celebration. So the ancient Celts, 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 Celtic, Celtic. It, 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 there's a debate in Ireland. You know who I'm talking about. The Irish. They marked Samhain. It was, it was the most significant of their four fire festivals. So they had four festivals that would happen throughout the year, essentially quarterly. This one took place between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. And those are other things that you can go and look up another time. But this is all during this time of, of, of darkness in Europe and witchcraft. The Druids are in charge. And Ireland was in a very dark place spiritually and that's when this festival is is happening when all these festivals are happening anytime the druids are in charge i'm not gonna get into too much about the druids today but the druids are in charge it's a bad deal okay that's where saint patrick went in and well, well yeah again more stories for other times but so during this time of the year what would happen in Ireland, in Scotland, in the Isle of Man, where all this originated under the Druids, was that uh, families would be out gathering their harvest. They would be bringing in their crops. And as they were bringing in their crops, the fires in the families' homes would go out. They would burn out because everybody was busy with harvest time. And then once they went out, they would leave them out. Once their harvesting was complete, the community would gather together Druid priests would create a huge community bonfire. The bonfire was, was created with a wheel. The wheel was considered to be a representation of the sun. There was sacrifice. Um, there, is, there is a lot of different things that are considered about the Druid sacrifice 
around this time. We know for sure that there were many, many animals that were sacrificed. Uh, there were, it was believed that witches became black cats and there was, uh, may have been human sacrifice taking place with this as well. We know that the Druids practice, practice human sacrifice prior to uh, Roman rule and it's not certain when that ended. So th that may or may not have been happening. History is divided on that one. But we know for sure that there was animal sacrifice uh, to the Druid gods at this time. Okay, so you have all this happening. The, the community is celebrating that their harvest has been harvested. And then what would happen is each participant would take uh, some flame from the communal bonfire. They would take it home and they would relight the fires in their hearse. And then that would be the start of the fire that would sustain them potentially through the winter. So this was a mandatory celebration. If you didn't participate, uh, it was believed that the gods, the druid gods, would punish you with death or with severe illness. It lasted three days. It lasted three nights. There was parades. There was parties. If if you committed a crime, you you were punished by death during this time. Like this was this was a huge huge deal. There was drinking uh, to excess, feasting to excess, and it was it was it was a big deal. <laughs> okay, during this time, the druids talked that there was there there. The Druids taught there's a barrier between worlds. So you have the, the physical world, which would be what we consider to live in, and then you have the spirit world, where you would have the dearly departed, where you would have the undearly departed, and evil spirits, good spirits. All the spirits live in one world, and then we live in the physical world. And so the Druids taught that during Semain, which, which would have started on, on this day, uh, that the barrier between those worlds was breachable. That this is the time of year where spirits can cross over into the physical and vice versa. So what would happen was the, the, the Druid teaching was that you would leave offerings outside of the villages to appease these spirits, to help with uh, fairies. Fairies were a very big deal around Halloween, which is weird to think about, right? Because we think about like Tinkerbell as a fairy. No, fairies were scary. <laughs> Right? These people you didn't want to interact with a fairy. There was also the fear that your ancestors might come over into the physical world and kidnap you uh, to take you with them. And that's where this whole uh, costume uh, aspect of Halloween came in. Did you know that? So costumes, uh, people believed, would help them to blend in with the spirits. So... Uh, if you didn't want to be kidnapped or you didn't want to be mistaken for a ghost yourself, you would dress up so that there there was no question. Like, you, <laughs> this is a whole big thing. But there were mythical uh, monsters believed to be happening here. There's headless women who were believed to dress in white and chase around anyone who was wandering at night. There's whole impish creature stories about headless uh, men on horses. So think the headless horseman, right? There was flaming-eyed horses. Pretty much if you've seen Lord of the Rings, you have seen pretty much a lot of what the druids said was out to get you. Like, the, the, so everybody that was chasing, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh my goodness, Frodo. Everybody that was chasing Frodo is essentially uh, someone that was... <laughs> <laughs> that the early Celtic people were afraid of because of the Druids saying that these were the people that were out to get them, which is really just... Anyway, another... Yeah, okay, I'm going to keep going. There was... Um, 
Uh, so you have all this. You have all this going on. Sorry, I completely lost my train of thought. So you have uh, people dressing up. That's where the dressing up came from because they they don't want to be mistaken for a spirit. They also don't want the spirits to kidnap them and take them into the spirit world while they are still alive. You have the fires uh, sacrificing all kinds of evil things happening uh, during this this time of celebration. It's mandatory and you will participate. Then you have this idea of the jack-o'-lantern. Where did the jack-o'-lantern come from? What's the deal with this? Well, I will tell you. Back in the day, in Ireland, a local drunk named Jack, so it is said, trapped the Prince of Darkness, a.k.a. the Devil, in a tree by hacking a sign of the cross into the tree's bark. For some reason, he decides to let the devil out. But in exchange for letting Satan climb out of the tree, Jack had him vow that he would never claim his soul. What Jack forgot was that that didn't just automatically merit him entrance to heaven. So the story goes, okay? This is clearly, none of this is actually biblical, all right? This is all extra biblical tradition surrounding Halloween. When Jack discovered he would, when Jack dies, he discovers he's not going to be allowed into heaven, so he tries to return to his old pal, the devil. But Satan upheld his end of the deal, wouldn't let him in, and hurls a piece of coal at the dead man for good measure. Jack is then left with nowhere to go, his soul to wander. He's not allowed in heaven, not allowed in hell, so he blazes, put the blazing coal into a turnip and used it as a lantern. So, how does that relate to your jack-o'-lantern? Well, the first jack-o'-lanterns were not actually in pumpkins. They were, as tradition told of Jack, placed into uh, gourds and turnips, put on strings, and put th they'd stick a coal inside of them. It was the Irish who switched the tradition over to pumpkin. But whether gourds, turnips, or pumpkins, the idea was always that this device with the fire inside, whether that be coal or some other source of fire, that it would too also help scare away witches, fairies, and spirits and keep you safe during this time when the spirits could escort you to the other side of the world. Or the, the spirit world, or whatever. Now for the trick-or-treating. Well, okay, we're, we're going to jump around a little bit. We're going to get back and forth to different traditions and customs here because what would also happen is that in, in this whole process of scaring away the spirits, you also don't necessarily want to scare away your ancestors, right? So you would have a feast to bring in your dead ancestors, and the kids were putting on plays and things to to amuse the presumably dead ancestor spirits that would be there. The adults would rehearse the, uh, the, the happenings of the previous year so that the dead spirits would be able to understand what was going on. There was also the putting out of food for the spirits. 
that eventually became uh, in medieval England where people called solars would go around begging the rich for quote-unquote soul cakes on Halloween. And instead of threatening to play tricks, they uh, said that they would uh, pray for your soul in return for the cake. Now, keep in mind that all throughout medieval Europe, it was called murmuring. So you'd dress in disguise and visit neighborhood while dancing, playing music, doing tricks. That was popular on pretty much every uh, major feast day. But the Irish and Scottish immigrants brought souling to the United States in the 1800s. Modern-day trick-or-treating didn't actually begin until the 1920s. But anyway, uh, going back to the, uh, to the trick-or-treating, that also has its origins in Druid practice. So when the Druids would put up these big bonfires that I was talking about a few minutes ago, and uh, people would gather together to do sacrifices and so on to the Celtic deities, the 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 Celts, and specifically the Druids, would wear costumes typically consisting of animal heads and skins, oftentimes from the sacrifices that had just been made. And then as part of the costuming, they would attempt to tell each other's fortunes and all of that. So you have all of this just crazy pagan junk going on in Semain. And then you have 43 AD, wherein the Roman Empire conquers the majority of Celtic territory. For 400 years, the Romans rule in Celtic lands, and you t the Romans essentially took two festivals that were Roman in origin and combined them with the traditional Celtic celebration of Semain. So the first was called Feralia, which was a day in late October when the Romans would traditionally commemorate the passing of their dead. Then you had a day to honor Pomona, who was the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. The symbol of Pomona is the apple and the incorporation of celebrations relating to her uh, are believed to be of origin when it comes to bobbing for apples. Now, interestingly enough, <laughs> when it comes to bobbing for apples, this was considered to be another form of divination that could only be done around Halloween. And when people would bob for apples... It wasn't people bobbing for apples. It was women bobbing for apples. Women would mark an apple with a guy's name, toss it into the tub, and then dunk their heads into that vat of water, try to bite into a piece of floating fruit, and then when they pulled it out, whichever guy's name was on it was destined to be their future spouse. That that was supposed to be a, a way of telling the future that was only able to work on Halloween as part of the Halloween practices. And that comes from the, the, the Pomona from the Roman goddess issues. All right, so, so Rome takes over 43 AD. Fast forward to 609 AD. Now you have the Roman Catholic Church. Now you have Catholicism. I skipped over a whole bunch of stuff because we, we just don't have time. Uh, but you have, you have Rome and Roman Catholicism. Rome is fading, Roman Catholicism gaining power. So on May 13th of 609 AD, Pope Boniface IV dedicated the Pantheon in Rome. Did you, did you even know this? So he dedicates the Pantheon in Rome in honor of all Christian martyrs. And the Catholic Feast of All Martyrs Day was established at that time, on May the 13th. Pope Gregory comes along in the 9th century and decides to move the celebration to the time of the fire festivals, which were still happening 
at that time and instead declare it All Saints Day on November the 1st and said that All Souls Day would follow on November the 2nd. So uh, the idea is by the 9th century, what was happening in the Roman Catholic Church was that Christianity that had spread into Celtic lands was being blended with and supplanted by Celtic rites and rituals. And Pope Gregory comes along and says, we're going to, we're going to redeem what the Celts have been doing here. And the church, in an attempt to replace the Celtic festival of the dead, uh, they're, they're trying to, to change the culture of the day. And so they say, we're going to have this church-sanctioned holiday so that instead of celebrating something that is related to all of this darkness, which we don't support, you will now have something good so that you can continue to celebrate. All Souls Day on November the 2nd continued to be celebrated similarly to Samhain. So they had big bonfires, they had parades, they dressed up in costumes, but now they were dressing up in costumes as saints and angels and devils because now it's supposed to be related to uh, the saints. The All Saints Day celebration was also called All Hallows Mass. So obviously that's that's pretty self-explanatory, All Hallows. And the night before it, the traditional night of Samhain, the Celtic religion, began to be called All Hallows Eve. And then after this guy writes his poem in 1785 and calls it Halloween, then you have Halloween. So how does Halloween get to America? Halloween was largely only practiced in the Celtic regions of the world for most of time. So it only happened in Ireland, in Scotland, in on the Isle of Man, which is just a tiny little island, but really pretty cool. I've seen it. I was in Northern Ireland, looked out on a clear day, and you can see the Isle of Man, which not many people get to see it because it's usually so foggy that you can't see the Isle of Man, but I've seen it. I've never been there, but I have seen it. So Halloween, how does it get to America? Well, it almost didn't. Because in colonial New England, the pilgrims outlawed Halloween. <laughs> they said, nope. <laughs> we are not having that. We are not doing that. It was, it was the pilgrims. The pilgrims said that isn't a cultic holiday, so we will not have Halloween in America. They had Thanksgiving. The pilgrims created Thanksgiving. They banned Halloween. That ban lasted until 1845. In 1845 and 1846, there was a huge famine. The Irish potato famine was happening in the Irish Isles. Because of that, there was a huge influx of Irish immigrants that came into New York. They brought with them their traditional holiday of Halloween. And as their version of Halloween came in, it was rejected largely by the New England states because of the rigidness of, of Protestantism and even Catholicism, but, but largely because of evangelicals and Protestants in the New England states, Halloween was largely rejected. And uh, this carries through to even today, which I think is absolutely fascinating. But uh, colonial New England era, uh, and that would be larger than what we would think of as New England today. The New England that we're talking about of this time would be like the Pennsylvania colony northward essentially and then from Maryland south 
because they didn't have the strong Protestant roots from from the, the the colonization of America, Halloween was much more widely accepted in the southern states. And what's interesting is that even today, if you go to the Northeast, Halloween is is viewed much less favorably among many churches in the Northeast region of the country than in other parts of the country, which is just fascinating to me. But that's just a little side side note. So anyhow, so the the Irish come over. They introduce their Halloween practices, and, and there's largely a rejection of what they are bringing because of this, this colonial New Englandish feeling about paganism and, and this holiday and what the pilgrims had set in place. Now remember, before you take that too far, that the Puritans also banned Christmas because of its pagan uh, rituals and customs that were incorporated into that Christian holiday. Okay, so don't don't put too much there. I'm just telling you that the pilgrims banned it. The Irish brought it in. It starts to become popular. But a lot of the darkness is rejected by the early Americans. And so their first celebrations that they accept with the Irish are play parties. So they would have public events where they would celebrate the harvest. Neighbors would share stories about their deceased relatives. They would still tell each other's fortunes. They would dance. They would sing. Eventually you added ghost stories. By the middle of the 19th century, you had mischief-making incorporated, but Halloween not yet being celebrated nationwide. It was the Irish that made it celebrated nationwide. In the late 1800s, post the the Irish bringing this over, now we have Halloween becoming commonplace, and America as a whole decides that they want, just this is the cultural movement, is to mold Halloween into a holiday more about community and neighborly get-togethers than about ghosts and pranks and witchcraft. Right, so you have the outright rejection of Halloween altogether. 1845, the Irish come, bring Halloween, traditionalize Halloween, make it a national event, essentially. And by the late 1800s, after you have this popularization of Halloween, you have a, a cultural movement to essentially transform Halloween into a day that has nothing to do with witchcrafts and pranks and ghosts and more about a fun, family-friendly time. You have uh, newspapers at this time. And you can look them up. There's newspapers. There's there's a major push for community leaders to take the frightening and the grotesque out of Halloween and to put fun into it. And so you, you see now to where Halloween has lost most of its superstitious and religious overtones by the beginning of the 20th century that lasts throughout much of the 1900s. What happens then? Well, the Wiccans come along in the 1980s. And the Wiccans decide to rebuild Samain. And now Wiccans have adopted Samain, brought it back to life, 
and it have revived many of the Druid traditions to where Semaine is still celebrating the dead with a festival on October the 31st, usually featuring a bonfire, usually featuring communion with the dead. American pagans hold this as now their most holy day. And pagans who have embraced these Celtic traditions and have the intent of reintroducing them into modern paganism are called Celtic Reconstructionists. In some areas of the world, pagans, Satanists, take things a step further. There are unspeakable evils committed in other undeveloped areas of the world, and, and even some here at home that happen on this day that I'm not going to get into right now. If you're interested in that, you, you can research this further on your own. But there is a lot of darkness associated still today with Halloween. And if you, if you look at Halloween, it's fairly obvious that the history of Halloween is dark and pagan and that Halloween is a celebration of death. And if you're dressing up like a witch or a ghost or a goblin, that might not be compatible uh, with a Christian testimony. And the, the, the pagan ceremonies surrounding Halloween, even today, that center on demons and witchcraft and superstition, not good. As far as haunted houses, do you, do you know the original haunted house? The original house of horror was actually Dracula's house. He massacred 100,000 men, women, and children in the most hideous ways. He div his plan was to, to, to purge his country of what he considered the burden of beggars and handicap and the sick and the aged. So he invited them to a feast at one of his palaces fed them well, got them drunk, and asked them if they want to be without cares and lack nothing in the world. When they responded yes, he ordered his palace boarded up, set it on fire, no one escaped. That event is considered the original haunted house or house of horrors. So when you look at all of this and the history of Halloween, there is no questioning that its history is dark and demonic if you look at the satanic calendar today, Satanists hold four central events. Their personal birthday is considered a celebration of self. You have the, the, the St. Walpurgs Night, which is an intercessory day of prayer for warding off uh, witchcraft. Then you have the Grand High Climax on December 24th, which I can't even talk about because this is a family program. But it's, it's a terrible thing. And then you have Halloween on October 31st. That is the satanic calendar. They hold Halloween as their sacredest day, most sacred day. But at the same time, as I just explained earlier, Halloween was largely uh, cleaned up, I guess you could say, by much of the country Leading up to, it was in 1980 that Halloween started to take a, a dark turn again in this country. But even with the dark turn that it's taken, what's interesting is that uh, though, if and you can look all these things up, but um, a member of the Wiccan church wrote an article about Halloween 
and this person is is fairly high in the in the witchcraft and and so on. But an article they wrote about celebrating Samhain, which is now what Wiccans celebrate on October 31st. This person wrote, With the growth and spread of Christianity as the dominant religion throughout Europe, Samhain time took on Christian names and guises. All Saints Day or All Hallows on November 1st commemorated Christian saints and martyrs. All Souls Day on November 2nd was a remembrance for all souls of the dead. With the coming of Christian Spaniards to Mexico, the indigenous customs of honoring the dead at this time of year mixed with Roman Catholicism and gave birth to the Day of the Dead, or the Dio de los Muertos, in early November. Samhain shares the ancient spiritual practice of remembering and paying respects to the dead with these related religious holidays of Christianity. Halloween, short for All Hallows Eve, is celebrated on and around October 31st. Although occurring at the same time of year and having roots in end-of-harvest celebrations of the ancient past, Halloween and Samhain are not the same, but two separate holidays that differ considerably in focus and practice. In contemporary America and elsewhere, Halloween is a secular folk holiday. Like its cousin, Thanksgiving, it is widely and publicly celebrated in homes, schools, communities, large and small, by people of many pasts, ethnic heritages, and worldviews. Furthermore, Halloween has evolved to be both a family-oriented children's holiday as well as an occasion for those of all ages to creatively express themselves and engage in play in the realm of make-believe and fantasy through costumes, trick-or-treating, storytelling, play-acting, pranks, cathartic, scary place visits and parties. In contrast, Samhain and its related Christian holiday counterparts continue to be religious in focus and spiritually observed by adherents. Although observances may include merrymaking, the honoring of the dead that is central to Samhain is a serious religious practice rather than a lighthearted make-believe reenactment. Today's pagan Samhain rites, while somber, are benevolent and although centered on death, do not involve human or animal sacrifices. Now that is a Wiccan priest i think priestess talking i'm not going to give you the the site for it because i don't want you to go and look it up it's i I don't want you to i mean you can go and look these things up on your own but i don't want to put this in your in your kid's head or anything but essentially what you have is you have satanists you have wiccans that are celebrating this day as their most holy day while also saying that what we are doing is not halloween what Halloween is in today in America is a family-oriented children's holiday. That is what a that is coming from a a self-proclaimed witch. So, how should a Christian and a Christian family respond to this celebration, which very clearly has a history of darkness and demonic activity and just 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 terrible roots but today in America that is not by and large what people are celebrating when they quote unquote celebrate Halloween Halloween in America today is a fun time of dressing up in costumes and going and getting candy and maybe getting scared somewhere along the way So how do you take these two, and you have actual witches saying what we're doing isn't Halloween. Your Halloween is your fun little playtime. What we're doing, that's not Halloween. So how do we respond then? What is the right response when on one hand you say, but this is darkness. This is a, this is a horrible thing. And on the other hand, well, no, this is just a fun thing. And even the witches say they're not doing what we're doing. So how do we respond to this? 
I think there are there are a few things, and we're going to take a few minutes just to talk about this. First of all, if if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have a biblical worldview, then the first thing that we need to understand is that we are not pagans, and we do not respond like a superstitious pagan would respond to any day. Because we, there, there is no room for superstition in Christianity because Christianity has truth, and the truth sets us free. We know that demons are real, but demons are no more real on Halloween than they are on any other day of the year. We know that Satan is always on the prowl looking for someone who he may devour. And we also know that we have one in us who is greater than he who is in the world. We know that Jesus rules. That he triumphed over them through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. So the superstitions, they don't have any bearing on us. We should not respond to this day as someone who does not know the truth of God's word. We shouldn't respond secondly in fear. For those who don't know Christ, death is a thing of fear. Judgment is a thing of fear. Witches, ghosts, evil spirits are things of fear. But for we who know Christ, the only thing that we have that we that that is fearful is the state of someone who does not know Christ. Their end. That is what is really scary. And then you have the aspect, thirdly, of what actually happens on this night. Yes, there are Satanists. Yes, there are pagan witches. And yes, they will be doing things tonight. But the actual incidents of those people interacting with your average family that's out on Halloween night are extremely low. There's a much greater threat to your family from drunk driving tonight, from vandals from unsupervised children, from people who would do your children harm, from predators and from those who would seek to harm your family in other ways through putting items or, or things in your, in your children's Halloween candies and collections. So should we, should you, should your family celebrate Halloween? I don't know the answer to that question. I know, because I have done extensive research on this subject, I know the history of Halloween. I also know how Halloween changed in coming to America, and I understand that what is celebrated as Halloween today by most people is, is not what was celebrated. I also understand that what was once celebrated has been reborn, if you will, and is still celebrated in many parts of the world. 
whether or not you celebrate Halloween is a family decision that you have to decide for your family. But whatever decision you make, whether it be that you abstain from Halloween activities completely, whether it be that you dress up but you don't make jack-o'-lanterns or whether it be that you make jack-o'-lanterns or you don't dress up or or you only go to trunk-or-treats and you don't go trick-or-treating or or you go trick-or-treating whatever it is that you do there are a couple things to bear in mind first don't play with fire our, our pastor did a, a really good message on this just a few weeks ago but but don't get involved in the darkness. If you're going to participate in Halloween, then participate in Halloween with your family, but don't be dressing up like devils and witches. Don't be celebrating death. That Death is not something that we are celebrating as Christians. We celebrate life. Don't, don't let your kids be playing with Ouija boards. Don't let your kids be dabbling with the occult and things that that will be happening tonight so that is the, that is the thing to bear in mind don't play with the devil's toys don't play with the fire okay but then secondly whatever decision you make as a family whether it is to abstain completely or or, or participate to some degree or another be consistent and make sure that your values are being well represented and that your children understand that what you are doing is out of what you believe is obedience to God in this area. You need to be consistent and not have contradiction in what you say and what you do. Don't, don't create confusion in your children as to what you believe about this day and how your family participates or doesn't participate in this day you are building a foundation of trust with your children you are instilling in your children the values that you want them to understand are of eternal significance and this is a vital opportunity for you to do that so your decisions about halloween should be consistent with the decisions you make every other day of the year so if you wouldn't let your kid dress up as a pirate because you know pirates were really really bad people on any other day of the year then your kids shouldn't dress up as a pirate on Halloween so just make sure that you are being uh, consistent in the same way if you are not opposed to handing out a track and a piece of candy to someone who comes to your door uh, 364 other days of the year then don't turn off your lights and hide in your basement well, I guess we don't have basements out here. Wherever you go to hide, if that's not what you would do the other days of the year. But if you're one of those people that never answers your door, or you have a no soliciting sign on your door, and you, your, your children are told, we don't answer the door, then be consistent with that too. Whatever decisions you make, make sure they are consistent with the principles and the values and the training that you instill the rest of the year. And then remember that whatever you do is a reflection of Jesus Christ. You are the ambassador of God to the world. Whatever costume you or your kids are dressing up in, is that a good representation of God to the world? Are you honoring God in what you do? Celebration and entertainment are, are not bad things. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying 
while all things are lawful, all things don't edify. So make sure that whatever it is your family is doing, that they would honor God. Okay. Um, you know, and some people are like, hey, people are giving out free candy. They hand it out. All we have to do is accept it. That's just like what Jesus does for us. He gives it to us. All we have to do is accept it. Some people say, you know, we're going to open our home. We're going to hand out tracts. This is an invitation for us to give the gospel to every person that comes to see us. Look, you, you, there is freedom. The Bible doesn't actually say anywhere, thou shalt not trick or treat, thou shalt not celebrate Halloween. Neither does it say anywhere, thou shalt celebrate Halloween and thou shalt trick or treat. So really, this is one of those areas where you and your family have to have uh, a conviction as to whether you will or you won't, and then you be consistent, that it's consistent with every other day of your, your, your family's values, and that it's consistent for you moving forward, and that your children understand uh, what you do. Other families will, will some will, will do the trick-or-treating and say, hey, this is like what Jesus does for us. We're going to give out the gospel. Other families will say, you know what, we are not going to participate in this. For our family, this isn't something that we can do. We want to reflect the purity of Christ. We want to have no association with, with evil, and so they see it as evil, and so they won't. Neither side of this issue, in my opinion, should be pointing fingers at the other side saying they're, they're wrong. Right? So if you're, if you're participating in the candy giving and taking, then be fully convicted in your own mind and serve Jesus as you give or take candy. If you're saying, nope, we're going to take a stand on this one and we're not going to participate in this and these are the reasons why, then glorify God in that and, and do something different with your family. You know, when I was growing up, we didn't participate in Halloween. This was before you know different places would have their own Halloween parties. So we would always go to Chuck E. Cheese every Halloween until Chuck E. Cheese started having Halloween parties. But you'd go to Chuck E. Cheese on Halloween night. There was no one there because everyone was out trick-or-treating. So, so if you choose to do an alternative activity with your family, awesome, do that. My favorite thing that I saw this year, I've never heard of this before, but this year, I saw a, a homeschool mom that posted an article about what they were doing for Halloween, and I loved it. I absolutely love it. And uh, it's, it's homeschoolon.com. I, I don't know this woman. I don't know anything about her. I'm not recommending her. But I love what she wrote about what they're doing for Halloween this year. So I just want to read you part of it, okay? She said, what we are doing on Halloween. Jesus commanded us to set ourselves apart, to not be part of the world. There have been a lot of conflicting opinions on what this looks like. For me, it is a balance, always showing God, always showing love and acceptance and openness while setting myself apart at the same time. So here's what Halloween looks like for our family. We do not dress up and go trick-or-treating. We do not carve pumpkins and put out scary decorations. Alternatively, we do not pass out tracks or turn off all the lights and hide out in the basement. This year, while everyone is putting out their Halloween decorations, we'll be putting up our Christmas ones. On Halloween night, we will truly be a light in the darkness. Our house will literally be glowing. We will turn on all the lights and open that door with flourish. The whole family will gather to bestow handfuls of candy in each little bag that comes our way, along with our smiles and laughter and jokes about our Christmas lights. We will be a light. We will bring joy. We will build relationships. We will not hide. In between house calls, we will set up our Christmas tree right in the window for all to see. We will have hot apple cider. We will blare Christmas music. And kids will sneak a few candies from the bowl. And we'll have an amazing family adventure celebrating our favorite season, the celebration of Jesus. 
Is it over the top? Maybe, but for us it's a way of getting out there and yet standing apart all at the same time. This is a family tradition that we can stick with and build our own happy memories. Our kids won't feel like they're missing out when they have Christmas to set up and look forward to. Our neighbors may think we're a little nutty, but they will know that we aren't the type to shame them or make them feel less than than us because they celebrate Halloween. No, we will embrace them with all the tra-la-la-la-la-la in our heart. I think that is one of the best things I have ever read about a family's take on Halloween. I, I just love it. It doesn't mean that your family has to decorate a Christmas tree on Halloween day. That might be too much for you. You know, the day after Thanksgiving might be soon enough. But I'm just warning you, there is tomorrow the Christmas music starts, okay? If you come into my office, you will have Christmas music because we only get a month of this traditionally in December. That is not enough time because Christmas music is the best music. So we're going to have two months of it. And I love that this family makes Halloween the day that they blast Christmas music. You, they're like, you come to our door. We'll give you, you, we'll give you candy, but we're celebrating Christmas. We're celebrating Jesus. We're celebrating life this day. I love that. I love that so much because really what this all boils down to, whether you uh, and your family celebrate Halloween or you do not celebrate Halloween or you do to some degree or you don't f to some degree. Whichever direction you choose to go. Remember this. Paul said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And that applies to every day of the year. So celebrate or don't celebrate, but whatever it is that you're doing, make sure that you are representing Christ well, costume or no costume. And that your celebrations, or lack thereof, are choosing you to think on good things, the true things, the honest things, the just things, the things that are pure and lovely, of good report, the things that have virtue and praise. Think on and be a reflection of those things. All right, now just a few a few shop items, if you will. Whether or not you're participating in Halloween or not participating in Halloween, some things you need to understand just for our city. There are no official laws for trick-or-treating in Las Vegas or in Henderson, right? No official laws. But Clark County has an Inside by Nine campaign. They are promoting uh, Halloween safety by saying there should be, they're asking that no one trick-or-treat after 9 p.m. They're asking that you turn off your porch lights by 9 p.m. to discourage children from being out and from knocking on your doors. They're asking everyone to remind, remember to uh, drive slowly, especially in residential neighborhoods. Be prepared to stop. Families, kids will be out. There will be dark costumes. That presents, obviously, a visual challenge for you when you're driving when you're at an intersection or any kind of a crosswalk or anywhere where kids might cross the street, which is basically everywhere. Just make sure that you are driving slowly this evening, that you are looking out for kids everywhere you go. Uh, kids are extra excited on Halloween. That may cause them to dart in and out of streets, move in unexpected ways. Make sure you avoid distractions as you always should, but please Please, please, if you are driving on Halloween night, do not let your phone be anywhere near you because there are going to be small children out and about and they'll be hard to see. Also, remember to be very uh, careful going into driveways and backing out. Okay, You're going to have kids walking up and down to houses, walking across driveways. Um, 
watch out for that. Watch out for pets as well. With doors opening and closing, pets are going to be getting out. It's just it's just a crazy, uh, crazy evening. If you are going trick-or-treating, uh, the county has some safety tips for you as well. Don't go alone. Young children should always go trick-or-treating with an adult. This is just common sense. Uh, your children should walk, not run from house to house. They should use sidewalks, not roads. If there's no sidewalks, then you should walk facing the traffics as far to the left as possible. It is best to trick-or-treat in familiar areas with well-lit streets or go to a, uh, a Halloween event activity uh, like a trunk-or-treat or, or something that's happening in, in, in a mall or something like that. Wear costumes that allow you to be seen by drivers. Avoid the dark clothing whenever possible. Uh, use face paint rather than masks or things that will cover uh, your eyes because your, your eyes are easier to see at night. Uh, carry a cell phone with you and a flashlight. Cross the street at crosswalks. Use traffic signals. Watch out for cars that are turning or backing up. Don't dart in and out between cars only go to homes that have their porch lights on. This is not just because they're the ones that want to see you. It's also a safety issue. Okay. Never go into a stranger's house. You accept your treats at the door and walk away. Do not go into a stranger's house. Beware of jack-o'-lanterns with lit candles. They're a fire hazard. And always, always parents inspect your children's candy before they eat it. Your children should never eat a piece of candy if the package has been opened or tampered with in any way. And my advice with the world that we live in is unless you know all your neighbors really, really well, either go to a, a trunk or treat event, go to an event in a mall, go to a place where no one is even having the possibility of tampering with your children's candy because these are precious souls entrusted to you by God and the last thing you want is for them to eat candy that has been laced with something that you uh, don't want them exposed to. All right, so now you have it. We have covered the dark side of Halloween. We covered the history of Halloween. We covered what history or what Halloween, how it changed in America and then how it changed kind of back again in the 1980s and, and what the ramifications are for Christians and if we should be scared of Halloween, if we should celebrate Halloween, if we should avoid Halloween altogether. And then, you know, we had a really kind of a fun alternative idea that I shared with you as well. If you're like, but I missed all of it. I'm just tuning in now. I don't know what I shall do. Don't worry. Uh, this is going to be, in fact, is right now on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can go pull it up, listen to the whole episode if you would like. Or if you don't care about the history of Halloween, you can skip about the first 30 minutes of the program and then just get into the rest of it. So... That's all the time we have left for today. Remember, the county is asking lights off by 9 p.m., everyone inside by 9. Whether you celebrate, whether you don't celebrate, whatever you do today, make sure all that you do is for the glory of God and that you are representing him well in the world. We hope to see you on Sunday, 9.30 or 11.15, Sunday morning here at Liberty or 6 p.m. Sunday evening. If you can't be here in person, be sure to stream us online by visiting our website at experienceliberty.com or go like us on Facebook at Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas. We will see you all back here tomorrow for Christmas.